Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. But God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding, His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life, it's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious, think well, advance good. This is Q. Thanks again for listening to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons on Faith Radio. I'm Paul Perot with Gabe, and, you know, usually when you listen, you hear some great talks from our Q conferences or you, Gabe, talking with a friend or a thought leader. But with Q 2020 coming up in about six weeks and just the weightiness of the days we're living in, Gabe, you wanted to talk directly to our listeners for the next 26 minutes. There's just some times when I feel like it might just be helpful for me to share with you what's on my heart what's happening inside my head right now, how I'm seeing a few things play out, my deepest burdens, concerns, vision for the future, uh, and then just let it sit because I think we do a lot of interviews, you hear a lot of talks as we sit around at Q and try to help you stay educated and informed on where the world's going and how to think well about that. But this last year, this has been one of the years for me where as I've been preparing for what we're doing this coming April, the weight of it has felt heavier than other years. Uh, the burden of it has felt more alive to me to steward well what God's asked us to do in this moment, in this time. I look back to the men of Issachar and that, that scripture that describes these men of Issachar as understanding the times and then knowing what to do. And I think for so many of us, it's really confusing. Like the times we're in are hard to understand. It's not simple. There's fewer trusted sources to know where do we go for what's really happening here whether it's the news media or entertainment or our churches. I mean, it's sometimes just confusing. And then as we feel confused, we start to lack confidence. We're not sure how to lead the institutions or organizations or areas in which we've been called, and sometimes that can make us shrink back. Well, as I know you guys, and I know this audience that's been a part of this, participating with us, learning with us for many, many years, you're not the type of people that shrink back. You're the type of people who say, look, give it to me straight, because if I can understand the truth and I understand what's really happening, then I'll step forward into it. And it might be difficult. It might be challenging. I might not have all the answers, but I feel better knowing that I'm understanding what's really happening and what's true and what the context is so that then I can be a part of whatever God's trying to do right now. I can be a part of moving forward in that. And so I thought what would be interesting is to just let you inside my head a little bit. As I've been planning for months and our team's been working for, for months, we, we spend at least a year just preparing for what we're going to do in April. We're bringing together leaders from every channel of culture, from business, politics and government, media, arts and entertainment, uh, people that are leading inside the church, people who are working in uh, the social sector and who care a lot about where the world's going and how we're going to stick together. It's also people who are working in the space of education, whether it's college presidents and those who are professors all the way to those who are leading high school networks and movements and classical schools. And so this group of people comes together, and in the process of coming together, we listen and we learn, and we start to take in all this information on topics that we've curated throughout the year that we believe are really important for the year ahead. And that's really how I would summarize what we do with this gathering every year. And this year's it's April 22nd. 
that 2,000 leaders are going to come sit together around roundtables, and we're going to get exposed to what's really happening in the world. We're going to hear from experts who maybe don't necessarily believe the way we believe as Christians, but they're certainly experts in the place that they're gifted, and they're skilled, and they have experience in. And we think that as Christian leaders, we will benefit immensely when we just sit at the table and we take in from them and we learn from them and we put it through our own process. We, we run it through our lens of theology, of understanding what God's up to. And in doing so, we become smarter about our times because if we understand our times, there's built into this, this idea that we can understand the times and maybe not know what to do, or we can understand the times and know what to do. And our goal with Q is to not only understand the times, but it's to know how to lead. And I think our culture and our world, our churches, our institutions, this decade is going to be a decade of leadership. It's going to be an opportunity for people who've maybe been sitting on the sidelines, maybe been learning, maybe been watching from their experience, learning maybe from the cautionary tales of failure that have gone before us. But you're going to step into leading, and there's going to be a vacuum that will be filled. And the question is, will it be Christians who step in and fill it, not because we're seeking power? but because we want to be faithful and because we believe the demands of the hour require it, that even in our fear of what it might mean to lead into the future, we still step forward into that because we know that's what God does. That's what God wants us to do. He wants to fill these vacuums with something that's righteous, that's just, that actually leads our friends, our neighbors, our families, our churches to flourishing. Uh, And that's what we want. And so there's several ideas that we're going to talk about in April. And I just want to, number one, I want to invite you to be with us in April. If there's any way you can make it to Nashville, please be in the room. There's so much that's going to happen that just never will be translated through watching talks afterwards or even through this podcast. And so come be with us. Um, but here's some of the ideas that we have decided, and I personally have felt just so compelled that we must talk about. And some of these ideas feel heady, right? They're intellectual, they're getting at the root of ideas and what is the philosophy of the world that we're in. So, so some of this requires a little bit of a deep dive uh, and challenging us to think well. But then on the other side, it's the practical things, like how are we meeting the real needs that are arising in our communities today? And I think as we look at the moment we're in, even in, in American life, I mean, you've got the 2020 election coming up, tons of discussion around politics, socialism, what will that look like? You've got currently just the the continuing growth of the coronavirus, right? A pandemic type thing that seems to be moving cities and communities into being at least on edge, uh, if not completely having to rethink what life will look like for the season ahead. And so we don't know where that's going to go. And so even in all of that uncertainty, what is it that we can trust? What, what is it that we can look forward to? And one of the format things we're adding into Q this year that I'm excited about, uh, because for 14 years now, we've done talks that were 18 minutes in length and nine minutes in length. But what I decided to add this year is I wanted to limit the topics to about 30 this year. And I wanted us to have six different topics that we're going to spend 27 minutes on. So if you've never been before, you go, well, 27 minutes, that's not a lot. But for, for the Q environment, This is going to be the ability for us to take a little more of a deep dive. And these are not going to be talks. They're going to be conversations. And so I'm going to host most of those. I might have someone else host a couple of them that they're more expert in. But but my goal is for us to not just hear a talk about something, but I want to kind of work around the idea. I want to make sure we're all hearing every angle to this. Um, So one of the ones we're going to lead off with and, and have conversation around is this idea of censorship. 
Uh, and for some of you, you have heard this term thrown around, and I know in any of these kind of situations, it can be overused. People can be kind of crying foul when they shouldn't be. But the reality is, I think everybody's becoming pretty aware that certain ideas are being allowed to move forward in this current digital world, and others aren't. And what is it about the ideas that aren't able to move forward that is the threat? And what is going on with that? And what is it that we need to understand about an environment that starts to censor ideas and censor speech? I think for us as Christians, we need to be aware of this. Some of the ideas that Christians believed and have believed throughout all of time have been countercultural. That's kind of been the point. We, we have different views of money, different views of power and how it should be used, of sexuality. There's some deeper ideas here that are just countercultural. So when you have countercultural ideas and you have structures in place and you have companies and you have large conglomerates that are coming together and going, look, we're going to start labeling different ideas as bad ideas for society, and we don't want those ideas to move forward on our platforms. Well, that's a new dynamic for the American church. Now, our brothers and sisters in other countries have for decades and centuries dealt with what it means to spread ideas in different ways. But what does that look like in American life? Well, we're going to talk to Robert Epstein, who is somebody who's been a whistleblower on how Google and other places, Facebook, in fact, and others have censored ideas. And, and what is it about those ideas, whether they're labeled hate or whether they're stirring up dissension, whatever it might be? I want to get into that. I want us to understand what is happening. I want to hear from an expert who's analyzed Google search, Facebook, understood how this plays into our politics. Another big idea that I want us to talk about, a term that I hadn't heard a lot about, it's, it's been a little more modern for me to think about this, and it's the idea of cultural Marxism. And it really plays into kind of what are the roots underneath the idea of socialism. And I think for this year, if you're a leader and you're not thinking well about socialism and able to have those conversations, then you're missing out because we understand the next generation, this is a big idea to them. And the conversation has moved quickly towards further and further left ideas, more radical ideas that really relate to government being more in charge of our lives, of the government being smarter and better and, and more equipped to help human beings and populations flourish than just sort of the free market of ideas and capitalism. I want to go underneath that. I want to better understand what is this ideology and where has it existed in the past? And what is it about it that actually competes with Christian ideas? Why does it sound so good? Is it because it sounds like the truth in some ways? And, and in what ways is it still false? And let's better understand that philosophy. If we understand that philosophy as leaders, we're going to be able to spot it more easily. We're going to be able to understand how to counter the really bad ideas of, of Marxism that lead to death and not to life versus freedom and liberty. And so we need to understand that as Christian leaders. So I'm going to have a long conversation uh, around that topic. Um, the other things that I'm thinking a lot about for our moment from a theological perspective is the idea of sin. Here's a word that isn't necessarily censored, but man, people don't want to talk about sin. It's a difficult thing to talk about. It's a word that's not used as much as it would have been used if we just go back a few decades. Even even coming from many pulpits and, and churches, we don't necessarily understand the ramifications of sin, and sometimes we don't even recognize the spiritual battle that's going on. Well, I want to make sure at Q, we're talking about that. We're talking not only about the spiritual battle, but we understand how sin works. The more we can understand how it works, how insidious it is, how it distorts, how it changes our imagination— I think we're going to be better leaders. I think, again, we're going to be able to spot, where's this happening in my own life? How can I possibly lead others towards righteousness if in my own life, in my own heart, I haven't done that? 
We're going to emphasize prayer this year and the power of prayer. This spiritual battle is real, but sometimes it's not as cool to talk about, right? Because it's not something we can control. It's not something we can necessarily see. And yet, as I read scriptures and I understand the New Testament, I understand that the main warning I'm hearing all the time, hey, look out, there is something being waged way bigger than you. And if you're not awake to that, then in many cases, you might actually be falling prey to it. So at Q, let's talk about that question. What is the role of prayer? How do we labor in prayer? How do we make sure it's incorporated into our churches, our organizations, and just the way we're thinking? Some of the current issues, though, that I think are so important that we talk about this year, one is our suicide epidemic. We know that suicide is robbing the lives of so many. We've seen those numbers skyrocket, not only in middle-aged, what's being called deaths of despair, where 35 to 55-year-olds are taking their lives, sometimes through suicide, sometimes it's through opioid and prescription drug overdoses, others it's through their liver disease that's happening in large part to alcoholism. But what we understand is people are losing hope, and because of it, they're dying. And, and some of those are actually killing themselves, taking their life. See, I think this is the ultimate of spiritual warfare. The enemy wants to take life. That's what he loves to do. He wants to steal life, steal hope, wants us to sit in despair. And we can't allow that. We have to come back against that. We have to understand what's happening and how our children and our teens are being twisted to, in some ways, almost see suicide as an option, as a way to kind of get out of the struggle. And we know this is a lie that snuffs out life way too early. And so we want to better understand from an expert who's really been helping, for the most part, women walk through uh, suicidal struggles over the last three decades. She's going to help us better understand the current situation of that. But then beyond that, what is it that never has changed about this discussion? What are the truths that really outlast the current cultural trends? And how can we be better equipped as leaders within our own homes, our families, our communities to recognize this and to be an antidote to that, to bring hope to these situations. Another current issue that we're going to talk about that's obviously very controversial right now, if you have teens, if you're engaged with people who are working through identity issues, it's the idea of gender. What does gender mean? What does it mean for those who deal with gender dysphoria? Over the years, we've talked about this at Q. We think it's very important to understand the reality of that feeling and what it is and to uncover that. But this year, we want to help you think well about that. And how can you help those who are thinking through that for themselves, have all the good information, the best information about how to approach that, how to understand in what ways uh, should those feelings be validated? And in other ways, is there something about this that's insidious that in some ways is actually taking you away from who you were designed to be? And so this is controversial. This is one of those topics and issues that it's hard to talk about or find spaces to talk about. At Q, we're going to talk about it. We think it's critical that we as leaders are understanding this conversation because it's really not only about gender. It's about this idea of what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to know our identity? What does it mean to operate in confidence from who we've been designed to be so that we can experience fulfillment? And I know last year we had a wonderful panel and discussion around this where we got to hear the story of a young lady who's walking through this now. Uh, And it was very powerful, very impactful for everyone listening. But I think this year, it's just getting more and more important that we think well about that particular topic. Uh, In addition to that, of course, we're going to talk about the election. I mean, the 2020 election and how Christians should be operating within that space is such a big conversation. There's been a lot of debate within the Christian community. And you have all these, you know, you have these kind of three different views. You have those who absolutely love Donald Trump and defend everything that he does. 
You have those who just cannot stand Donald Trump, right, and, and are never Trumpers or have decided there's no way a Christian could vote for this man. And then you have a bunch of people in the middle who, are, who maybe are pragmatic, who are saying, look, I don't have any better options. I don't know what to do. I'm trying to vote for policies that I support, but I don't like this. I don't, I don't know what to do. And so you have a bunch of Christian leaders now feeling like they have to choose sides, have to pick which way they're going to approach this. And so at Q this year, I'm excited to, to open up that conversation and that dialogue. We're going to have with us Eric Metaxas, who's really defended. He would fit in that category of somebody who's been very pro-Trump, who's defended a lot of his decisions, who sees him as the better from a pragmatic perspective than any other candidate in the last election and in the coming election. Uh, but we're also going to have David French, who's another evangelical, somebody who's uh, really coined the term Never Trump and has led the Never Trump uh, movement and has given voice to that and continues to speak against those who, who as Christians would consider voting for Donald Trump. And so no matter who you are or where you are, you could probably hear yourself represented in this conversation. And we wanted to bring those two leaders together who don't often sit together and haven't really publicly ever talked about this to really have a conversation about their disagreement, their points of disagreement, their points of persuasion, their, their vision for why Christians ought to be engaged in politics, but how should we engage? And we're going to follow that with another panel discussion about how do we rise above partisan politics? How do we as leaders prepare for a year ahead that's going to be divisive and difficult from a rhetoric perspective, but also has the opportunity when you come out the other side of this election to realize, look, as Christians, we're called to be citizens of a kingdom that's above this kingdom. And how ought we to live? You know, something Francis Schaeffer described in Chuck Colson, how now shall we live? So how are we going to live despite these differences? If we can't get along with ourselves in this, how are we going to get along with our neighbors and people who don't even claim to follow God? We're going to be seeking some conversation here that brings a bit of unity and a bit of understanding for either side to better understand how we treat one another as humans, even if there might be some deep political disagreements. And then one other idea I want to share with you. It's this idea of a time to build. I'm so excited to talk about this because it gets to the hope of everything that's going on. I'm so excited to have a scholar, Yuval Levin, with us who wrote a very important book around building institutions. A Time to Build is his book, and I'm going to go deep with him about what does this mean for us as the church. He's Jewish. He appreciates history. He appreciates institutions, and essentially is going to help us better understand why we're feeling a fog right now, why we've lost confidence in so many of these institutions, whether it's the church, whether it's our government, whether it's our news media. Not only why is it happening, but what opportunity is being created? And this goes back to that vacuum I was describing at the beginning, this vacuum for leadership. And I want us at Hugh, and I want you as leaders, wherever you've been called, to see yourself as somebody called to lead. And leadership in the season ahead will not just be retreat. It will be building. It will be filling the vacuums. It will be taking those walls that have fallen down, as Isaiah 58 talks about, and restoring the streets we dwell in, restoring what it means to have a civil public square, restoring what it means for ideas to move forward and for disagreement to happen, but in a civil way. It's going to mean rebuilding community. It's going to mean rebuilding our churches to be places where those who hate religion all of a sudden see themselves as having some role to play in the future of what faith ought to look like in our culture. It means rebuilding institutions and schools and how we think about ideas and how we're going to pass ideas down to the next generation. And so we're going to get a load of vision at Q for the decade ahead and what this might look like for each of us. No matter where we've been called, we do believe, and I believe, theologically speaking, God wants to renew 
and restore all things. And ultimately, he will do that. But while we're on this earth, while we're in the midst of, of spaces that are distorted, that don't look the way God intended them to look, that we actually get to give glimpses of hope and light and tangible uh, outcomes and create tangible services and goods and businesses and schools and opportunities and communities that actually give people a taste of this kingdom to come and, and give them just enough of a taste that they go, I want more of that. Where, where is that coming from? Where's the history of that? And so we're going to talk about what does it look like for us in the years ahead to build? And finally, uh, there'll be stories throughout this gathering in April, but, but stories are important to us. We need stories to help us have hope, to help us recognize that what we see in front of us isn't all that there is. We need our imaginations to soar, to see the future. We're going to have Mark DeMaz with us talking about uh, this really cool idea, which is where is the future of the church going? How are we going to think about that economically? But I want to introduce you to somebody who's been leading for 15 years out at Sundance at the film festival. Uh, you're going to hear from John Pretty, who leads an organization called Windrider, but you're going to hear a dialogue between him and his friend, who's the executive director of Sundance, talking about how over 15 years there has been a relationship formed between a man who brings together hundreds of Christian youth and college students and 20-somethings to take in the film world, to better understand the art, to talk to the directors and filmmakers, and to just process that through their own lens, how, how that has taken place in the midst of Sundance, which many would perceive as on the bleeding edge of controversy, of content and topics that maybe don't seem like they're good, true, and beautiful, or don't always necessarily point people towards the same truth or foundations that Christians might believe. And yet, how have those two things coexisted? I think that's part of our future is understanding we're going to have to live in spaces now that aren't going to be as comfortable. And so how do we operate in that space? How is it that we're provoked into these spaces versus being offended? And so these are just a few of 30 different conversations happening. I more just wanted you to hear my heart that I think the time is now. I think in a world where we, we seem to be isolating a little bit more, that perhaps the thing we need to do is actually throw that off and we need to come together and we need to sit together. We need to be in rooms together. We need to learn together. We need to see a sense of unity and confidence that what Christ has called us to do and to be is part of the answer now, but he needs willing people to step up. And so if you're somebody who's leading an organization, leading a church, leading your family, and you're feeling a sense of isolation, and you're not sure where are all the other Christians trying to think well about this moment that are willing to dig into some of these difficult topics, well, I want you to come be with us at Q, because I think at Q, where we have, we're limited in our seating, but we, we have space. We have room for 2,200 people, I think, to come be with us at this time. So we want you to be with us. We want you, if you have the opportunity to gather people, to bring people, if you're a person like me who doesn't even really enjoy going to conferences. I mean, let's be honest, I've obviously created a conference here, but when we started it in 2007, it was designed for the person who hated going to typical conferences, who wanted to have experiences. I mean, we get out in the city on the first evening and you get to take in a film showcase from Sundance and, and get to hear dialogue about that from the executive director of Sundance. We create concerts that you can go participate in and just sit back and enjoy music and the way in which music can be just a beautiful remedy to a soul that's feeling broken. We have opportunities to hear pitches from entrepreneurs through Praxis that comes and pitches five-minute ideas of how they're reshaping the world, how they're proactively moving forward. We're creating dinners and experiences around our city and meals and conversations that you're going to be able to have throughout 
the downtown Nashville area that allow you to get out so you're not just taking in content, but you're actually discussing it. And you're coming away with a bit of a plan of this is what I'm going to do in the year ahead. This is my call. This is my action. This is what I'm going to do so that I can be a part of this. And so if you're hearing this and you know there's other people, you have friends around this country, maybe around the world, who are feeling isolated, feeling alone, not necessarily knowing how to think about some of those difficult topics, I want you to invite them to listen to this, forward it to them, share this episode. Let's just let people know like they're not alone and that we at Q are trying to be a place that unifies, that brings people together, that doesn't sacrifice orthodoxy, but stands on it and understands that the truth is the most powerful thing we can have. But we also have to walk forward into a world that not always recognizes it as true and not always recognizes it as good. And yet we're going to be the ones who take this forward. And so I want you to join with us. You can learn more about this particular gathering, Q2020, which is April 22nd to 24 in Nashville, by going to our website at qideas.org slash 2020. And your ticket rates go up after March 11th. So I'd encourage you, make plans now. Road trip with some friends here. If you need to get flights, this is a great time to do it. We have all these hotel blocks right around this venue in beautiful downtown Nashville at the Music City Center. We'll sit in a beautiful auditorium at round tables and not only hear these conversations, we're going to worship together, we're going to pray together, we're going to ask God to give us vision for this season ahead and how he wants us to lead. I want you to be with us, and so I hope you'll join us. And if you can't join us this year, just stay involved with what we're doing here. Keep checking back in. Keep going to qideas.org. We have so many resources designed to help you as a leader have more confidence to engage the difficult issues, not to avoid them. So many people are avoiding these difficult issues and conversations, and I think it's spiritual. They're, They're not sure how to think about it, and so we become silent. And I don't think that's an option for God's people. I don't think we can become silent. I think we have to dig in. We have to learn. We have to keep growing. We have to understand where these conversations are going. We don't get the option to just sit this out for the sake of our children, for the sake of the heritage of our faith, for the sake of our communities, and for our churches. If we really believe that Christian thinking and ideas and theology and Jesus leads us to flourish and then leads our communities to flourish, we need to do the hard work of knowing how those ideas translate into the world around us. So be a part of this with us and let us be a partner with you as you continue to grow and learn. So thank you for listening in to just some of my thoughts sitting here at my desk, having a conversation with myself, but I know with tens of thousands of you who are thinking similar thoughts. And let's just continue to learn together, grow together, and come together. And I hope if you can join us in April that you'll come be a part of it, that I can shake your hand, that I can see you in person as we continue to grow and lead together for what God has for the future. This program is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.